It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Here's another episode of Frontline Friday with my special, special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you today? Andy, I'm super today. What about you? Good, good. Not too bad at all, as a matter of fact. So, um, yeah, looking forward to talking. Good. And what today, Andy, our topic for today? Topic for today. We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about this whole topic that's being raised time and time again about you know, is the business to business salesperson, sales professional endangered? Is this an endangered species? And certainly there's some research that has been uh, put forth about that, that we're going to see this, this pretty significant shrinkage among the, the ranks of B2B salespeople over the next five years. And I don't believe that's true. And, and we're going to talk about why. I don't believe that's true, but what what sales professionals need to do to ensure that it doesn't become true, at least for them personally. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've been hearing about this for years that, you know, automation in the sales uh, arena and some of the, the tools and the internet and being able to find and buy and get questions answered online is, is going to eliminate the need for salespeople. And I'm with you. I, I don't believe that's true. I think that uh, the skills required may change, will change, have changed. But it, the need for the, the, the fact that salespeople will go away or that as a fact, I don't believe. Yeah. And I think, oh gosh, well, I think there's some trends emerging and, and I get this not just from me personally thinking it, but uh Conversations I've had with, well, obviously I've had conversations with hundreds of people on the show, but people specifically sort of focused on this topic. And a lot of this this conversation about sales professionals going away, the need for B2B sales professionals going away, really been driven by the tech business, right? Out in Silicon Valley, where there's been this huge emphasis on sales technology, sales automation, process, and According to people that I'm talking with, there's, there's actually now sort of a, a little bit of a pushback happening in coming from those same companies. They're driving the bleeding edge, saying, yeah, this is, this is great to a point, but once we reach a certain point where we really need to engage with our prospects beyond the initial point of interest, we're actually working the deal, that you know, perhaps the person's becoming more important than we, we thought they were. In making this happen, and this is this has certainly been my belief is that's the point where you, the sales rep, if you can continue to add value to your prospect, it's always going to be a role for you. Yeah, there's I, as you were talking, Andy. I think about uh, one of the things that I saw uh, at Sumo Logic with the team is we would implement uh, various technologies. I'll take one. Uh, it's uh, email sequencing. So mm-hmm. we use Outreach, which is a fantastic tool that right. helps set up and schedule automated emails that are, that are going to go out to prospects and remind you when you need to call them. And they set up these sequences that are super helpful. 
one could argue, we'll see, you could just set up a whole bunch of sequences and a, and a salesperson never even needs to touch a marketing could essentially set them up and you're going to get an email on day one and then three days later, you're going to get one that's slightly different. We can have it um, tailored if we know that you are a consultant or a VP of marketing or whatever it is. The reality is people see through those really quickly and the challenge for the salesperson and why it's important to have a salesperson there is they really act as a curator of information that based on what research they've done about a particular prospect and their company and their market, what type of information could be useful and relevant to them that they're starting to develop a relationship. So while the tool itself on the surface might look like, hey, who needs a salesperson? I can get rid of my SDR team. Actually, it's not true at all. The tool helps facilitate curating the information more effectively and over a period of time, but it doesn't eliminate the need for a human, an educated, um, knowledgeable human to go in and use the tool. Right. I think that the where the technology has been applied so far is primarily at establishing, opening a door, right? Establishing yes. contacts. Yes. And it's fantastic for that. I mean, it's, it's enabling levels of productivity perhaps that, that we haven't seen before, but once you've got that contact, once you've got somebody that uh, perhaps even you've qualified then there's the whole you know, sort of little point of the rest of the sales cycle, the real part of the sales cycle, but their buying process that still needs to take place. And yeah, I heard uh, Scott Abro, one of the co-founders of Topo, talk about this at, at their conference, about how there's always going to be this area that's reserved, part of the sales process that's reserved for what he called the uniquely human sales skills that, at least, you know, from where we stand today, we don't think that that machines are going to be able to replace. Yeah, and and there are some uniquely human. If if machines are going to replace these uniquely human sales, uh, uniquely human skills, Andy, it's going to be a while. Yeah, it's going to be a while. Like I don't see it. Um, it's going to be a while before. It's it's funny. I was um, scheduling lunch with a friend, and she uses this virtual assistant, a virtual assistant, and it's a combination of human and machine, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating. And it's challenging to even schedule. Hey, do you want to have lunch on Wednesday? And where do you want to go? Imagine all the nuances in a sales conversation what that dance and interaction looks like. If, if, if machines are going to do it, we're a long way away. Yeah. We'd have to do is, is, you know, <laughs> we have to be doing biometric scanning at the same time. The machine is at the same time. It's posing questions to the buyer. Unless of course, at that point, it's just machine to machine buying and, you know, people are completely disintermediated from the process. But yeah, I think that's that's not going to be something you and I are going to have to concern ourselves with. Certainly, coming generations may have to may have to figure out what the impact is. But for the foreseeable future, it's to me, it's sort of like the whole idea that back in the '70s, everybody said flying cars are just around the corner, and uh, we're not quite there yet. 
No, we're still having trouble with self-driving cars. Yeah, it doesn't mean the flying cars aren't coming, and that'd be kind of cool, but I don't think we're quite there yet. So, no, um, not quite there yet. So for me, you know, taking this phrase, this uniquely human sales skills, I actually I think it's it's not the correct phrasing. I mean, as much admiration as I have for the guys at, at Topo, I mean, to me, I, I would focus more on uniquely human sales behaviors, because to me, the behaviors. It's not about proficiency. As before, you have proficiency, you have to practice the behavior. Andy, maybe, maybe uh, let the audience know how you define a behavior versus a skill. Yeah, behavior again. It's 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 that fundamental thing that you're practicing. That that, for instance, let's take responsiveness. And you know me. This is this is the key. This is a big one. This is the key, right? Yeah, I'm a believer that if you, this is a keystone habit that if if you practice responsiveness is the way I describe it in my my books and writings, if you mastered that, the ripple effect throughout your entire sales success and sales performance would be immense. Okay, well, responsiveness is not a skill; it's it's a practice. It's it's something you do. It's a habit. You know, it's sort of like waking up early during the day. I mean, that's not a skill. That's a, that's a behavior. Um, yeah, I think when you're talking with customers, learning how to be, how to be present, right? How to be really focused in a way that, that is meaningful, that, that makes it all about them as opposed to you. Yeah, that's, that's a habit. It's not a, it's not necessarily a skill. It doesn't mean that's not something you can't get better at, but, but fundamentally it's, it's, it's a mindset versus, you, versus skill. Do you use behavior and habit interchangeably? I do. Okay. And I, and I throw mindset in there as well. So it doesn't mean that, that at some, perhaps in some level, there's, there's you know, proficiency. And by proficiency may not have the right term, because could you become more responsive? Yeah, I think that's, that's part of developing a better habit. You know, just like being on time. You know, timeliness, is that a skill or a behavior? I mean, it's behavior. And, you know, the thing about behaviors is, is uh, gosh, we have ultimate control over our behaviors. You know, listening, learning how to listen, active listening. Is that a skill or is that a behavior? Well, I think it starts with being a behavior. And then you become more skilled at it over time. And then you can become more skilled at it over time. But you have to adopt that, that behavior. You know, people talk about, uh, you know, the art of the follow-up and for me it's like hmm well you actually have to follow up before you can practice the art <laughs> right yeah you actually just have to get out there and do it first you actually have to get out there and do it get out first. there and do it and then get better at it right and you could say that same thing true with just like you know if you have call reluctance right if you're not gonna get any better unless you have the discipline and the habit of actually making the calls so you have to have that behavior first you have to have that 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 habit first and then you can build on the skills so i think that's that's the part that that you know if you're a sales professional and saying gosh yeah how do i maintain relevance as the world progresses you know i'm a young person a millennial i'm beginning of my career you know i'm looking forward 30 40 years gosh who could envision what the technologies could be like at that time what can i do to best position myself to maintain relevance in a sales profession and to me, it's master these fundamental behaviors, and you put yourself in a position to maintain your relevance to your buyers. Be responsive, 
listen without judgment, you know, be present, create peak experiences, you know, during, during your sales process, you know, read, listen, and learn, you know, continually improve your craft. You know, those are, those are habits. Practicing empathy. That's a, that's a habit. It's a behavior. That's going to be hard for a machine to do. Being empathetic? Yes. No, didn't you see 2001, the space oddity, space odyssey? <laughs> yes. And I, I, I maintain my position and my opinion. <laughs> like it's going to be hard for me to ever believe that a machine really can, can identify with how I'm feeling and my pain by virtue of the fact that it's a machine. And empathy is an important, empathy is important in sales. The human to human connection, Andy, I think is, is until we get to the point, as you say, that it's a machine buying from a machine, if there's a human involved, there are very human behaviors and attributes that I believe are always going to be important. People still buy from people. And what are the things that help to engender trust and connection and will encourage a prospect to open up and share what's going on in a situation to give the best possible chance of a, of a good outcome for both sides? Right. Because if, if, a, if a prospect doesn't open up and isn't honest with you, they don't trust you or they they're not sure what your motives are. Are you just going to try to sell me anything? It's going to be hard for you to really determine what is what does a great solution look like for this prospect and is the solution that I'm selling the right one? Exactly. And I think one way to sort of think about this topic is, and it was, I hadn't really thought about this until you, you made your comment, is the problem that a lot of sales professionals have is they are too robotic. Mm. Right? Yeah. We're, we're scripted, yeah. we're given a process, we have to execute like this. And they're not as mindful of these baseline behaviors, sales behaviors, sales habits that have to be in place, regardless what sales methodology they're practicing or sales process they have, if, if they don't have these habits then it's sort of all for naught. I mean, it's, it's you know, pushing the proverbial wet noodle up the hill. You know, and I think as managers, we're partially responsible for this robotic behavior. And the tools and our tool selection is partially responsible for this robotic behavior. We put in scripts, you need to follow this process, you need to make sure you get these points, you... And we don't perhaps do adequate training around what's behind the script and enough, allowing enough, enough time for practice. And, and again, some of it I believe that a salesperson should take on his or herself. But I think as a, a manager and a leader, the more that I can do to help uh, a salesperson integrate and make personal the, the scripts and the process and the things that are mechanized just by virtue of uh, the tool and wanting to be efficient and wanting consistency, um, perhaps we miss something. I, I hadn't thought about it, but I completely agree that we do get too robotic. We're nervous 
And I've seen sales reps nervous to stray from the script because this is what my manager said I need to follow. Mm-hmm. And then they do come across as robotic. Yeah. So if you think about it from like, let's say, a, a sales training standpoint, you know, my, my belief is I'd rather f- train people on these behaviors and less on skills. So I think we spend a lot of time training salespeople on skills but not on not on the behaviors that are mm. really end up informing the skills. Mm. So if I'm new in my career in sales, what do I want to focus on learning? What do I want to be reading about? Well, hey, I'd be reading about how can I improve these basic behaviors? How can I improve my uh, you know level of empathy? You know, how can my EQ? You know, I'd be reading books about EQ in sales. Uh, you know, like Colleen Stanley's written and others. You know, I'd, I'd focus on responsiveness, you know, read zero time selling and amp up your sales to learn about responsiveness and, and, uh, you know, the value of, of storytelling, right? So you get in the habit of, of, uh, you know, leading with stories as opposed to asking questions as opposed to, as opposed to always sort of pitching the whole time, right? Uh, you know, read a book about mindfulness. So you learn how to be present and focused and in the moment. You know, those are behaviors that I think that if you can integrate those into your day-to-day practice have much bigger impact on your long-term success, short-term and long-term success, than how do I write the best subject line in email? Yeah, I, I still think that some the skills are important. And I, I just see a lot of reps that this is their first job and they don't they don't have the skills or the behaviors. So I think there's, there's, uh, both of them are going to be important, but I believe that some of the skills, like your example, how do I write the best subject line email? More and more of that I'm seeing can get automated. Like you can go look at and say, okay, of here are the 40 subject lines that we've used that people on the team has, have used in the last 30 days these are the two that get the best responses. Okay, let me use these. Exactly. So there are shortcuts there. And maybe that's your point is around the behaviors, you that you can't you can't outsource that. No. No, you can't. And your your point is extremely well made. I mean, for a lot of these things, it's it's the teaching the skills. You know, I think if you have the behaviors in place, the fact is that in most areas, you know, outside, let's say maybe of some of the inside sales development type functions, but even there to some degree, sales is really an apprenticeship. You know, we wish that we had these manuals or definitive manuals that would teach us how to do things. Mm. But, you know, all these methodologies, all these processes, they're just people's opinions. Right? And there's and there's there are people's opinions and there's not a one size fits all. And there's not a one size fits all. So, so, but I think what is one size fits all to some degree are these behaviors. You know, you brought up one in an earlier episode we did. Actually, I think it was our previous episode about attention to detail. Mm. To me, that's a habit. You talked about punctuality. To me, that's, that's attention to detail, punctuality. That falls into that category. That's a habit. Spelling, grammar, things that, that create... Things that can make the difference between creating a good first impression or not. And again, you said that, you know, you talked with some of the some of your reps in the past that this didn't think it was important. Well, that's been that way forever. 
you know, the young reps, people new into the game think, oh, yeah, someone will look past that you know, if, if there's enough value in the message. Not really. Not if, not if they have a choice between you and, and somebody else, especially if you're selling a product or attention to detail is pretty important, as most certainly tech-based or tech-enabled products are, which increasingly is, is you know, a huge part of our economy. Yeah, the detail is important. It's it, when you're talking about spelling and grammar, I think about texting and how texting and chat and Twitter are becoming uh, increasingly popular in terms of or commonplace in terms of communication, even B2B communication. And the shortening of words and the lack of punctuation and uh, the the grammar even, uh, it, it's really interesting to see how that plays out. It still bothers me when I see even a text message that's uh, not punctuated properly, which I'm sure the young people in the crowd will say, okay, hello, old lady. I think, yeah, you, really. you know, you've, <laughs> you've expired. You're, you're not, your expiration date has passed. But I think there, it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out, because what might be acceptable in a chat message is not acceptable in an email communication or a written communication, and how we make sure that we keep those separate. Um, because again, it's not, it may be okay in chat, but it's not okay to have it in email. Well, you just have to sort of extend the, the example. So, and this, again, this has always been the case. It's, it's not pointing fingers on at millennials or anybody younger. It's always been the case in sales. Is, you, know, you might have somebody that's a little careless with spelling on an email or a letter or something back in the days when letters were sent. And they'd say, well, that's okay, the misspelling, that's no problem. But in the customer's mind, what they're saying is, okay, now I'm going to have to spend more time going through your proposal you gave me because I'm not sure the numbers are going to add up. Correct. Because, that's right. Because, you know, if you're willing to let this slip, what are you letting slip over here? And maybe that's just a level of, of you know, stress I don't need at this point in time. You know, I don't want to have to check your work. I want to make sure, you know, yeah, somebody, maybe somebody in accounting will add up the numbers, make sure they all add up. But, you know, I want to make sure that, that they're good. And I don't trust you to do that because you've just been sloppy in all your communications to me. And this is not an apocryphal tale. This has happened. I've seen it on numerous occasions over the course of my career where the expectations that sales reps have set yeah, ended up losing us an opportunity or putting us in jeopardy, let's say. I mean, I've had to go in and correct situations. I actually had to move new people onto, onto accounts and take people off because they just wouldn't pay that level of attention to detail. And it was really important to the client. I think also, Andy, sometimes the, uh, like you see something's uh, sloppy and it, as you were describing, well, I don't, I don't really have time nor do I want to go and check their work around the numbers. Some of that can be conscious and a prospect may think that and be very aware that they that something doesn't may not add up mm -hmm. sometimes it's not even it's subconscious and they're not even aware of it and they just don't move forward because something doesn't feel right that they may not even be able to put their finger on so it can be conscious or unconscious either way it's negative 
Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there's a word for that. People call it precognitive perception. Mm. And so, yeah, they're forming these impressions before they're even aware that they have them. And it's based on little things like that. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, and I've seen that happen too. And we, we get that, gosh, we have that in our own lives. You know, we meet somebody and we're just not, something's not right. Something's not right. Right. And we can't put our finger on it. We can't describe it. But yeah, may they reach out to us on social. They say, hey, you know, let's get together. Let's do something. It's like, no, I don't think so. Right. We've had that in the past with, uh, you know, we've met people and that, you know, they would do something as, as couples. Right. So they invite my wife and I somewhere. It's like, yeah, maybe and then something's just not right. Yeah, maybe you do it once, and it's just like, yeah, you can't put your finger on, but it's just not, not a match. And but there's something that was done, and so attention to detail, one of those behaviors that's really, really critical. Uh, another behavior, asking questions first, as opposed to talking about yourself. You know that starts starts in sales when you get the first opportunity with the client, and st- excuse me, instead of asking a question, you. You pitch. Here's my elevator pitch, right? We've gone so far on the elevator pitch. Everybody knows that. Well, since you know it, I've got to tell it, right? And since I know it, I'm just dying to tell it. And but you really want to lead with questions. Well, that's 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 a behavior. You can get better at the questions you ask and the types of questions you ask, but just from a habit standpoint, what's your habit in terms of how you interact with people? Yeah, and I, I think on that one, I agree that that's a, that definitely starts with the behavior, and one becomes more skillful as time goes on, and more skillful at being able to uh, sort of read between the lines with what a prospect or customer might be saying, and how to allow enough time in between an answer and and give enough of a pause. I think there's a lot that also the skill, I, I, it starts with the behavior. And I think then one can become skillful, skillful over time. Oh, sure. Yeah, I agree 100%. But you got to, you have to have the behavior first. You have to have the behavior. I agree. And so that's really what this the show is, this episode has all been about is, is focus on behaviors. You know, this is, this is Andy telling you from, you know, my lengthy experience few in the years field, experience. Years in the field, and but also from experience of you know talking to hundreds of of experts in the field and so on as we've done on the show, that's really reinforced that that belief is that look at your behaviors. You know if things aren't going quite the well as way of, quite as well as you'd like, or you want to say, look, how do I take that next step up, right? How do I get even better? Is instead of looking at at the skills from a proficiency standpoint, make sure that you've mastered the basic behaviors that you need to have as a salesperson. And I've written about many of these in my books and, and I'll continue to write about them going forward. And we talk about them in the show, you know, your responsiveness, your curiosity, your persistence, your attention to detail, your asking, leading with questions, your being present, being mindful, focusing on the customer, many more. I mean, I wish it was a short list, but, it's not a short list, but pay attention to those. And if mm. you do that, I said the ripple effect through the rest of your performance is really going to be very substantial. Amen. Amen. We're in church. Amen. Amen. Everybody say <laughs> hallelujah to that. Yes. So 
I'll get off my soapbox for now, at least for this episode. We, next Friday, I can get back for on For this it. episode. Next Friday, get back on. <laughs> See, this is, the, this is the one episode a week where I get to do that. Otherwise, I'm you know, I know. really interviewing. It's, it's really, again, about my guests more than me. But this is our show. We get to... We get to... Uh, Pontificate. I was going to say preach, but yeah. Okay. What, what, either one. Either one. <laughs> Neither one is really good, quite honestly. <laughs> I know. I know. But pontificate sounds even worse in my mind. It is. I think it is a bit worse. We're having a conversation. Because... We're engaging the audience. So, as always, you know, we really appreciate you taking your time to listen to us today. And if you have a question about anything at all that's sales-related... Drop me a note. You connect with me on LinkedIn. Send it via LinkedIn. You could send me Twitter at, at zero time selling, or email it to me at Andy at zero time selling and we'll be sure to talk about it on the air in one of our upcoming episodes. So, Bridget, as always, it's been fantastic to talk to you and to the audience. Fantastic to have you with us. Have a great uh, have a great rest of the Friday, Andy. All right, Bridget. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.